Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Lamed Gimel. Today's shir is Ilunishmas Avram ben Yomin ben Aaron and Shmuel ben Michal, Yoshua Yitzchak ben Shaul Ruvain Halevi, and Chaya Chaisa Gita Bas Yaakov. May the Neshamas have an Ali and may the memory be a blessing. Let's go from the Mishnah. It's about 12 line, twelve to 15 lines from the bottom of Lamed Beis, and we're Beis 64b. So the Mishnah says, Someone going down before the Ark. I don't know if you remember from Brachos, etc. But means the Shliach Tzibur on the Yom Tov of Rosh Hashanah. Hasheni Matkia. The second Shliach Tzibur is where they will blow the Shofar. I Musaf. Uvashas Halel, and when davening Halel, Harishon Makres Halel, the Shliach Tzibur doing Shacharis davens Halel. So here just you are know, the phrase Hasheni and Harishon, the first fill is Shacharis, and the, as it says, we also do, we normally have a different Shliach Tzibur for Shacharis and Musaf. So the first Shliach Tzibur is, you know, is Shacharis. Now he says, My Shno Sheni Matkia. What's the difference? Why for the. Does, do they blow Mus? Why does he blow the shofar in Musaf? Just interesting, this language of Matkia, it's not Tokea. It seems the Baal, the one saying Musaf isn't the one who blows the shofar, he's the one who triggers Matkia, causes the shofar to be blown. I think before they had Mavzorim, they were quite particular to try with a different person. I mean, we also often do. But especially before Mavzorim, before they were printed Sirurim and everyone had one, they tried to be quite particular to have a different person be the Shleach Tzibur and a different person blow the Shofar because otherwise he might get mixed up. So, so that's Matkia. That's your So, so now it says, Mashna Shenemar Matkia, Shani Matkia. Why by Musaf are we particular that the second one that blows the Shofar, that, yeah, that the Shofar is blown at Musaf and not at Chachris, Mishum Derovam Hadras Melech? Because that's when there are most people. The more people there are, the more, um, what's the word, um, the more splendor to Hashem. If a, the, a king with, uh, yeah, the, the greater the community, the greater the size, the greater the number of people dominating together, is a greater, is a, in an aspect, is a greater form of honor to Hashem. So just interesting, why at Musaf is there more people? So the Torah even gives the obvious answer. We know people come late to Shul, and some people are only come for Musaf. So therefore, there will be more people that, as more and more people arrive. But Musaf, there will be the most people in Shul. And then the, another answer given by the Radbaz is that no, is everyone knows Shachris. And therefore, lots of people don't bother to come to Shul for Shachris. But you've got to remember the Musaf of the Yomim Noroim is very long and said once a year, so no one really knows it too well. So therefore, they're more particular to go to Shul for Musaf. Okay, but either way, at Musaf, there are more people there. And therefore, it makes sense that more people should... Uh, um, more people should... Uh, um, uh, sorry, there are more people there, so it's Rav Am and therefore we blow the Shofar in with... Rov Am. Oh, Ihachi Halal Nami Neimah B'Shani Mishum to Barov Am Hadros Berech. Well, then Halal should also be said at Musaf 
because there'll be more people and it's more glory to Hashem. So So why rather you have to say why do we do halal first? Because enthusiastic, alacritous people do mitzvahs as soon as possible. Oh well if that's the and that's why you do halal rather with shakris and musaf. Oh if that's the case well, then we should also blow the shofar at Shachris because the earlier the better. So the reason can't be because of Rav Amahadras Mele. So he says, says, No, this Mishnah was taught when there was an evil Roman decree. Rashi explains that um, that they made a gazera that the Jews were not allowed to blow shofar. And they kept watch on them. After about six hours of watching the Jews to make sure that they didn't blow shofar, then the Jews could, st- they left and the Jews could start blowing shofar. So this concern of when there was Xayra against blowing shofar um, is specifically to with shachris. But by the time you get to Musaf, the people on lookout to check if the Jews are going to blow shofar have left and they can, uh, they can blow shofar. So that's why it's done at Musaf and not at shacharis. And Tosos asks, but then why? Oh, but nowadays, we don't have a Xayra against blowing shofar anyway. So Tosos answer that firstly, look, maybe, which, yeah, what's, what's implied in this? That initially they used to do the shofar. The special Musaf Amira would have been done at Shacharis with the shofar. At Shacharis, not at Musaf. So why don't we move it back now that there's no Xayra against blowing shofar? So Tosos answer, um, he says, there's always the concern that it will happen again, that there will be a decree against flying shofar and we'll have to move it around, so we just keep it as it is. Then Tosos brings a different explanation from Yerushalmi, which that question won't even um, start. He says, what once, the, if when the Jews blow the shofar early in the morning, there's a good chance that their neighbors will think that they're starting a rebellion. Rebellions were often started with the, the sound of the trumpet. Yes, instead of a, instead of a, before before you have the gunshot to start the rebellion, you, they would sound a shofar, sound a trumpet. You see, that's how Absalom started his rebellion against his father David, etc. So, if they blow in the more early in the morning, the non-Jews, their neighbors might think that they're starting a rebellion. Whereas if they leave it and they do shachris and namid and the repetition and laning, and only much later blow the shofar, it's later in the day. By the time they're blowing shofar. No one's going to suspect them of uh, starting a rebellion. They're going to realize it's just part of their ritual because they've done a whole long ritual service and now they carry on with their ritual and it won't cause as much trouble. That's Tosos' answer. Just two interesting things that come out from here. One, um, or your ones that one will more ask the question, but we see from here, we often have a problem where we have to weigh up. What's the best shul to dive in at? Which minion should I go to? Which mitzvah should I do first? Etc. And so here are two rules at play. One is Rova Madras Melech. There's a glory in doing something together as a larger community. And another one we have is Rizim Akdimim the mitzvahs. So which one takes precedence? If you have a shul where you can either fulfill the requirements of Jesus, so you're doing a mitzvah that requires Jesus, or there's an opportunity to do it with Barov Am, which one should you do first? So I think it's pretty apparent that Zrizim Akdimim the mitzvahs takes precedence. But once, um, but 
and what, um, as we see, because that they would have done it with Zhuzim, but because they couldn't, then they relied, then they went for Musaf, and they kept it at Musaf because of Rav Amhadras Melech. So it's an important principle, Rav Amhadras Melech, but when weighing up which shul to daven at, it seems you should rather daven earlier than in a bigger shul. That's what, another way of phrasing it. Um, but again, there would be other factors. Obviously, you daven where you can concentrate best. You daven where there will be a good, uh, good learning, etc. Those are all factors you have to take into account when you're davening. But just in regards to these two that we see here, and a second interesting point to think about is how far do you have to go for Barova Madras Melech? It's a hidur. It's a beautification of the mitzvah. You definitely fulfill your mitzvah if there's a minion. You don't need a shul of 500 people, but if there's a minion, you fulfill your mitzvah. So how far do you have to go? to actually fulfill your mitzvah. And once we ask in that, how far do you have to go to fulfill a mitzvah zaseh? Let's say you live in a town where there's no shofar. Are you expected to move homes? To go move to another town, to a bigger city for the Yomim Norom so you can hear shofar? How, again, how far do you have to go to do a mitzvah in general? Um, something to think about. Okay, let's go. By saying that, at a t- we, we start off this Mishnah saying that what you say, you blow the shofar in Musaf, and when you say Halal, then you say it in Shacharis, which implies, B'Sha'as Halal, we call the Rosh Hashanah, like Halal, that implies that there's no Rosh Hashanah, you don't say Halal on Rosh Hashanah, my time, or what's the reason, why don't you say Halal on Rosh Hashanah? Omer Rabbi Avu, and Rabbi, so Rabbi Avu said, Omer Malachai Hashoris, Livnei HaKadosh Baruch the angels, the serving angels said to Hashem, Said, why do Bnei Israel not say Shira before you? Why do they not sing before you? Why do they not say Halal before you on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippurim? Um, to elaborate on the question is, the angels know that um, this is based a little bit on the Torah and the Orach Laner, but the angels. Firstly, angels can't really say Shira until the Jews say Shira. It's discussed in the Gomorrah in Chulin. So they're waiting for us. So they're like, we want to say Shira. Why aren't the Jews saying Shira? And then they also know that we write on days when there's punishment and calamity, we don't say Shira. However, um, you know, like people are being sentenced to death on Rosh Hashanah. It makes sense from that aspect there shouldn't be Shira. But on the other hand, we know the teaching that Bnei Israel are encouraged to have Simcha on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. To have joy. Why? Because we're confident in Hashem's mercy that we will have a good judgment. So the angels so the angels were like, we know it's a day of judgment. But at the end, but why aren't the Jews saying Shira? So what does Hashem answer? So Omar Lohem, Hashem said to them, Is it possible that the king is sitting on his throne of judgment? And the book of life's life, the books of life and death are open before him. Yisrael, Amrim Shira, and Yisrael should say Shira. That's inappropriate. That's the wrong, not a, not the right time for saying Halal. The Rambam elaborates interestingly um, in his Parish Hamishnais. He just gives a whole list of, I think, concepts that are relevant to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which are clearly against the idea of being. Joyous and festive. It says, halal. The fish halal. They would not blow halal on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Because they are. You may avoid days of service and um, subduing oneself. Fear and terror. from Hashem. And um, fearing Him, respecting Him. 
I'm not sure what that is. But tshuva v'tachnunim, repentance and supplications of akosha and kapora and davening for kapora u'slicho. But b'chol elu ha'inyonim and all these topics, eno hogun ha'schoik v'hasimcha. Laughter, joy and uh, festivities are not appropriate. So, uh, It's very confusing, but there are, we do find there are these two aspects of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There's the serious awe, Yomim Noroim, days of awe, because um, of all those reasons the Rambam listed. And then on the other hand, we find there's the mitzvah of Simchas Yom Tov, there's the they're the happiest days of the years because we're confident in Hashem's, uh, at least uh, Yom Kippur, happiest day of the year because we're confident in Hashem's uh, merciful judgment. So it's always a confusing dual aspect of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The Rambam seems to lean towards uh, saying that it's a serious day. There's a big discussion around regarding again fasting on Yom, on Rosh Hashanah. Some say it's a it's a big discussion in Yerushalayim. Some say definitely not, and some say well there's age old traditions to fast on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur on Rosh Hashanah because of how severe the how serious the day is. Okay, let's go on to the next Mishnah. Um, now what this mission is saying, even though that, what this mission is coming to teach us is that even though the mitzvah of shofar is a positive commandment from the Torah, you don't actively transgress even a rabbinic, a gezerah midrabonon to blow shofar. Let's see, shofar shorosh shona ain't mavrin olaves atchum. You don't walk through the tchum. The ain't mefakin olaves akal. Sorry, so you can't walk. Let's say you there's no shofar or the next nearest shul is 2,000 amas outside your tchum. You can't go there to hear the tchum, even though keeping to the tchum is a, is exa- the tchum is exaggerated and hearing shofar is a mitzvah's assay from the Torah. You're not allowed to clear away rubble, mukta, to get to your shofar. And you're not allowed to climb a tree or ride an animal. And you're not allowed to swim through a river. I, all these Gzairat Rabbonans that you might have thought that the positive command from the Torah pushed them aside, you don't. You're not allowed to cut the shofar. I, or you, um, some say Rashi seems to learn like fix it, repair it, cut out the middle or shorten it, fix it. And the Rach seems to learn it means uh, actually cut it off the animal, but you're not allowed to. Neither was something that would be Osamid Rabbonan, I doing it in an unusual way. Or something that cutting it and repairing it in the usual way, which would be a negative commandment from the Torah. You're not allowed to do malach, you're not allowed to um, make utensils, etc. If you want to pour water or wine through it, to fix it, you can. And the reason for this is it's not metake and mono when you can blow it anyway. The water and the wine aren't going to... Make it into a kli. They might improve it a little bit, but they're not going to make it into a kli. And you could already use it. So it's just uh, improving it, not fixing it. it says, Never mind, we don't stop children from blowing a shofar on Rosh Hashanah. You even help them and teach them how to do it. We'll discuss that more in the Gemara. Someone who's... Misasek is a hard word to translate, but it means... By the way, I like just playing around or absent-mindedly. 
So if someone absent-mindedly blows the shofar, you don't fulfill your obligation. And if you hear from someone who's misasek, you also don't fulfill your obligation. Um, just two interesting points. One is, we see that you're not even allowed to do an isudra bonon to fulfill the mitzvah of shofar, but many learn, but you are allowed to do a shfus to shfus. You can ask a non-Jew to do an isudra bonon so you can blow shofar. So again, let's say there's a, the shofar is in a place and it's under a pile of stones, so to move the stones you have to uh, do mukta. Um, so you can ask an anju to do it, because that's a shvus to shvus. Or it's stuck in a tree, kids were playing with it and they forgot it in the tree on Erev Rosh Hashanah, so you can ask an anju to climb the tree to get it down, that would be a shvus to shvus. Um, yeah, and, and I haven't quoted it in a while, but the Sefer Chashukai Chemed, remember Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein, he brings a halachic a response are often bizarre ones that are connected to the daf. So on this daf, the one question, he has quite a few interesting questions, but the one question is if, let's say, someone's in a hospital, can they use the elevator to get it to the hospital? They're sick, so they can't walk up the stairs. Can they use the lift on Rosh Hashanah to go to the shul, the floor of the hospital where the shul is? And he says, and maybe they can ask a non-Jew to press the buttons, etc. So he goes into the whole discussion. Firstly, he's pressing the buttons or Another aspect is even if you want to say that and using electricity, but even if you want to say that pressing the buttons is only midrabonon, still when you step in the lift, lifts it has to expend more electricity because there's an extra person in the lift. So it might not even be considered the only problem. It might even be a just one shvus, or if electricity is drabonon. Um, when you get in the lift, so it's a, so that's a discussion. And then obviously, I know it's a hard line to think, but we often have to think of this in mitzvahs. I think it was at the start of COVID when things were in serious lockdown and stuff. We had to express this idea that um, you know sometimes the things we feel very close and we feel are super important, like blowing shofar. But remember, sometimes more important than blowing shofar is not breaking Rosh Hashanah to blow the shofar. And not doing other isurim to blow the shofar. The same as the beginning of lockdown. Remember when we were terrified and we thought we weren't sure how COVID and how the virus spread. So there we said, uh, rather than have a minion, you know, don't go to shul. And there were many things that we said, rather don't do. Even though it was very, it's very dear to us and it's very important to be going to shul and stuff. And uh, now that things are opening and they realize how they spread and there's not so many numbers. We must be careful to get back to those mitzvahs. But at the time, it was very, uh, we were uncertain. So we would say, much rather than spread, uh, uh, even though we would love to have dive in with the minion and we'd love to go to shul, much rather don't spread a dangerous virus. Okay, that's, uh, but that's, that's uh, just one thing on the mission, on the mission. And then another thing that the, the, the Ritva says on this Mishnah, and he brings it from, I think it's his Rebbe, I, know, I don't know if it's his Rebbe or his Rebbe's Rebbe, but I think it might be his Rebbe's Ramban. This is a pearl from the Ramban. You've got to remember this, that we call a Shfus, and we say it's only Osid Rabban, and all these things that are Mishum Shfus, that are, we rest on Shabbos because the Isid Rabban, he says, don't think that there's no concept on rest on Shabbos. Don't get confused and think as long as you're keeping the 39 Melochas perfectly, that you can go, you can have a regular day. You can do business transactions. Any malacha you need to do, you do it with in an unusual manner. You use a different implement. So you can have a normal day on Shabbos. You just don't break any of the 39 malachas. But it's not at all restful. It's not. A, there's none of the tranquility and the 
relaxedness that the state of, that Shabbos should bring. It says don't. So you might say that this that this concept of resting on Shabbos is only drabon. Says don't make that mistake. Really, it's a requirement da'oraisa to rest on Shabbos. Oh, what do we do? How do we define what activities are mutar and also okay that the rabbis teach us and that's why they all called drabonon. But at the end, but to be aware that this concept of again shvisa we translate it as rest, but it doesn't mean just sit on your couch and nap or go to your bed and nap. It means have the special restful day that is separated from the regular tumult of the week, a day when we can connect with our families, learn Torah. Think about em, Hashem's emuna because we can separate ourselves from the balagan and the tumult and all the um, difficulties of going through the week. It's a day when we can focus on Hashem. So that concept of rest, the Ramban says, is actually daraisa. It's just the exact parameters of what activities you can and can't do. That's darabonon. But, but I think that's a, so that's a pearl that the Ritva says in the name of his Rebbe on this Mishnah. Okay, let's go on to the Gemara. Um, yeah, so second last line of Lamed Bays on Bays. Um, my time is Shoifar. What's the reason? What's the reason? Why don't we say, the positive commandment of blowing Shofar should push aside any of these negative commandments? So he says, no, shofar uh, is a positive commandment and yomtav is a positive commandment to keep yomtav and a negative commandment to not do melacha on yomtav. So it's both. Positive commandment doesn't push aside both. Um, and once we say that by Doraisa, we say the same thing by Dorabon. And just as a positive commandment doesn't push aside a positive and a negative mitzvah, um, mitzvah from the Torah, so too it won't push aside the one from the Dorabonin. Says, then we said, Now that you have come and told me you're not allowed to do these Isure Durabonon, you don't push aside Isu Durabonon for Shofar, you obviously don't push aside Isu Doraisa. We didn't list any Isu Doraisa in the Mishnah, so the explanation is no. There's different types and different levels of Durabonon. The two Durabonons like. Um, the, the, let me just check which ones. Muktza and Tchum. Those are pure Durabonans because they're not there to protect you from any Isu clear Isu Doraisa. Those are pure Durabonans. Whereas the Xayra of not climbing a tree or not riding an animal are to protect you from doing an Isu Doraisa. So they're more tied in with the Isu Doraisa. So if a pure Mitzvah Durabonan like Muktza is not pushed aside for Shofar blowing, obviously a Mitzvah Durabonan which is tied into a mitzvah doraisa, like don't climb a tree, you're definitely not allowed to do. So the Gemara says, Yo, zuva in zukatani. It's in the styles of not only are you not allowed, not only this, but also this. I not only are you not allowed to do a pure drabonon, but you definitely, be, um, and I don't even have to tell you that you're not allowed to do a isur doraisa. Or a mitzvah drabona that is closer to his drabona. Then it says, "Ve'en choytchin oisal ve'en top of lamed gimel lamed aleph ve'en choytchin oisal ve'en bedavar shehu mishum shvus ve'en davar shehu mishum loitase." And you're not allowed to cut, repair the shofar. Neither was something that would make it only a isu drabona, or repair it with something that would make it a isu doraisa. So he says, "Mishum shvus." Magolo. If you use a sickle, that would be an unusual instrument to use, and therefore it would be only drabona. And Loisa says, Akina, but if you use the knife, 
that's made for cutting up shofars, well then that would be a Isutoraisa. So Okay, now that you told me that you're not allowed to cut off the shofar, to, you're not allowed to repair the shofar in a Durabonan way, why do you have to tell me you're also not allowed to repair it in a Doraisa way? So he says, Again, it's in the style of this, and I don't even have to tell you this. I never mind you're not allowed to cut, repair the shofar where you only transgress the Isra Drabonin. I don't, and I definitely don't have to tell you that you're not allowed to do it in a way that transgresses the Isra Doraisa. Okay, next phrase in the mitzvah, in the Mishnah, Avalim, Ratzo, Litein, Letocha, Maim, Oyayin, Yitain. says, Maim, Oyayin, In, so we see you are allowed to pour water or wine through the shofar to clean it out, but not urine. It says, oh, Mani, who's the author of our Mishnah? It says, You're allowed to pour wine or water to, through your shofar to clean it. But you're not allowed to pour urine out of respect, out of respect for the mitzvah. We don't clean a shofar which is used for a mitzvah with urine. And it's very similar to, we say every Shabbos, that you don't bring Meirag Lime into the Beis Amigdash when you need the pungent thing for the Ketores, um because of Kovod. And it says, This says that we do not stop children from blowing a shofar. Now, it will, yeah, I think through the discussion we'll uncover what would be the potential pr- problems and why we don't stop them. But he says, This implies that woman you would stop. And Rashi explains, Why would you not let a woman blow Shofar and Rosh Hashanah? So he says, Firstly, because a child... Well, firstly, why would you allow a child and stop a woman? Because a child is chayav in chinuch. He's obligated in learning to do the mitzvah. A male child. A woman is never ever obligated in Shofar. And therefore, he, Rashi holds that it's baltosif. It seems it's doing a mitzvah that you're not obligated to do. And that's adding to the Torah. Therefore, Rashi says, that's why a woman, we would stop a woman. Oh, but we have a b'risa which says that we don't stop women or children from blowing a shofar on Rosh Hashanah, on Yom Tov. So, Yeah, you're right, it's a machloikas, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Shimon. Our Mishnah is Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that a woman is not allowed to. And the Brisa, which holds that a woman can, is Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Shimon. The Tanya, as we learned in a Brisa, this is regarding doing smicha by korban. Remember, when you bring a korban, a personal korban, or many korbanas, you would lean on them. So, what about women doing Smicha leaning on the korban before they bring it. So it says that Bera Bnei Yisrael, Bnei Yisrael, Soimchim Vayim, Bnei Yisrael, Soimchos. Divrei Reb Yehuda, Bnei Yisrael do smicha, and a woman is not allowed to do smicha. Reb Yosi, and again, as we learned according to Rashi, it would be a Isra Bal Toisif adding to the Torah. Reb Yosi, Reb Shimon, Oimrim Noshim, Soimchos Roshus. Reb Yosi, Reb Shimon say no. If they want to, they can. I, they're not obligated, but they are allowed to. Um, yeah. Now, very interesting. This is a it's a long tosos, but it's an important one. He discusses women or people not obligated to do mitzvahs doing the mitzvah. Again, he brings that. Firstly, we paskin like Rabbi Yosi. There's a concept that Rabbi Yosi in Muka Imo. The depth is with him, so we always paskin like Rabbi Yosi. So we would say women can do positive commandments. Then there's a further question. Famous machlokes Rishonim that actually plays down to our age. Um, 
to our times, is a woman allowed to say a bracha? Or someone is not obligated in a mitzvah, and they're doing the mitzvah, they're allowed to say a bracha. What's the problem? So it says, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Melech Olam, Asher Kiddishanu B'mitzvah Savetzivanu, who sanctified with his mitzvahs and commanded us to do it. Can a woman say the bracha? So, Asher Kiddishanu B'mitzvah Litka Shofar, or Al Nutil Al What's it? On the tilas lulav, etc. Can a woman say this bracha and when she's not commanded? So Rabbeinu Tam comes along and says, yes, they can. And he says, it's a long discussion, and he bases it on um, that a woman can do shofar. Yeah, and he says it's because at the end of the day, that bracha is for there is the commandment to blow shofar. And therefore, women can include themselves in that mitzvah. The Rambam says they can't. And to this day, Ashkenazi women, when they're doing positive commandments, for example, shaking lulav or blowing shofar, etc., they would say a bracha. Whereas Sfardim, who follow the Rambam, would not say a bracha on their positive commandments. Um, yeah, okay. That's a more interesting point, but I think let's go on. Um, Avalm is asking Bohem Achiyumadu. He says, not only regarding children, Amishna says, not only do we not stop them, we actually um, encourage them, help them, teach them how to blow. So Omar Rebbe Elazar Afilab Shabbos. Rebbe Elazar says, this is even when Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos and we don't blow the shofar, young children can blow the shofar and you actually help them blow the shofar. He says, Tanya Nami Hachin with a bride like this. He's asking Bohem Achiyumadu Afilab Shabbos Vaim Akbin Atinokas Militkoa. You get involved with the child until they learn how to blow the shofar, even if it's Shabbos. And you don't stop the Tinokas from blowing the Shabbos Vaim Torek Loma Briyantov. Never mind, you don't stop them blowing on Yom Tov, on Shabbos. You don't, sorry, you don't stop. I don't even have to. You don't stop them blowing on Shabbos, and I don't even have to tell you that you don't stop them on Yom Tov. Now it seems that this is based on the following concept. Granted, there's a mitzvah drabbanon to not blow shofar on Shabbos or Yom Tov. We don't. Children, regarding Rosh Hashanah, it's the mitzvah of the day. So children who are at the age of chinuch have a semi-obligation, and therefore we take the opportunity to teach them. And are, where there's no based in, we don't blow shofar? Well, where there is a based in, there is blowing of shofar, so it is still a mitzvah relevant to the day. Um, it says, oh, ho, gufa kasha. But now there's an intrinsic contradiction. Omar is asking, The Bryces said that you get involved with them until they learn how to blow the shofar, even on Shabbos. We see that this is encourage them to do it, to blow the shofar. He says, Then we say, we don't stop them blowing shofar. Well, that implies we don't stop them, but we don't encourage them. We don't uh, tell them to go and blow the shofar. So that's a contradiction. Which one is it? Do we encourage children to learn to blow the shofar in Rosh Hashanah? Or do we? We don't stop them, but we don't encourage them. So he says, Here's with a child who has reached the age of Chinuch, and here's with a child who has not reached the age of Chinuch. What is the age of Chinuch? Someone who's able to learn the skill of blowing a shofar. If you take a seven-year-old, he's never going to be able to blow the shofar properly. He just doesn't have the skill the technical capabilities. So he's not at the age of Chinuch. So if he's playing with the shofar, we leave him. But we don't encourage him to blow. An older child, let's say, I don't know, 10, closer to his bar mitzvah, when he can have the technical skills to blow the shofar properly, there we actually teach him how to blow the shofar. 
What about nowadays? So nowadays, that there's nowhere that blows the shofar, not in bays. Remember, we learned that they used to blow where there was a bays in. Nowadays, we never blow. So many hold. Therefore, it's not. You can't really say that it's a day when the shofar is blown, and therefore, on a Shabbos of Rosh Hashanah, you would not teach a child how to blow the shofar again. It seems if a, sh- a child picks up a shofar and plays with it, you can leave them. But um, you wouldn't teach, unless it's chinuch, maybe then you should teach them that we don't blow shofar nowadays. But if they're a young child, then you would leave them, um, again, because there's no way that blows shofar. Okay, then, again, we said, what's misaseik? Someone who just happens to absentmindedly or just, by the way, playing with it and blows the shofar. He says, hot, okay, This implies that if he was just happened to blow the shofar, then he's not but if he blows to make a tune and the tune happens to line up with the shofar blast tekia true tekia yotza he fulfills his obligation this seems to fit in with Rava who says that if you blow for a shir you yotza this was a huge machlokas it was actually last Shabbos I think last Shabbos is daf you have to have in mind that you're blowing the shofar for the mitzvah or as long as you have in mind that you're blowing the shofar to produce a sound and it, the action just happens to line up with the mitzvah actions you fulfill the obligation so this seems to say like Rava because it says misasek is not yotza but if you just, if you blow it on purpose again, not for the mitzvah, but on purpose, then you yotze. Says no deal with tokei alishir. Nami misase korilah. Says there's no proof from this mishnah. Maybe he calls tokei alishir misase. Ah, blowing the shofar just to make a song. You can't come along and tell me that that's that. Sorry, that the tana, altana would call absentmindedly blowing the shofar, and you would not fulfill your obligation. Then it says vahashomea hamina misase lo yotze. Someone who hears from someone who's just messing around absent-mindedly playing around blowing the shofar does not fulfill his obligation this implies what would be the halacha of someone who was blowing the shofar for themselves and they were blowing the shofar as their mitzvah but they didn't have you in mind Aye, they walked down the road they came to your neighbor who was not well and not able to get to shul and blew shofar for them or for them or they were blowing for themselves they were dabbling at home and you just happen to listen in this implies that you are my what would be the locha yotso you'd fulfill your obligation because it said what case do you not fulfill your obligation where he's just messing around but if he's blowing to do the mitzvah even if he doesn't have you in mind you should fulfill the obligation this seems to be a rejection of Rebbe Zeru who says have kavana to his assistant have kavana when you're blowing for me I want you to have in mind that you're also blowing on my behalf Maybe it's not it's not specific, it's not dafka. It's just that since he taught in the Raisha, Misasek it uses the same term in the Sefer. So it's not you can't use it as a rejection of Rebi Meir. Sorry, of Rebi Zaira. Okay, next Mishnah. This is the Mishnah which discusses what's the basic obligation of blowing the shofar. So we've got to remember that there's many different parts to the mitzvah of blowing the shofar. But the orais, it seems, the primary mitzvah is at kia trua to kia. We'll discuss what the term trua means shortly, but it's kia trua to kia. It might be that the orais obligation is to do it three times, at kia trua to kia, three times. Again, malchias, shofaros, um, malchias, zichrodos, and shofaros. Um, but that's discussion. Um, what adds to this is, I don't know if you remember a while ago, 
we said we, we blow the shofar twice. We blow it once, what's called kios de meyushav, the blowing of the shofar before musaf, and kios de meumad, the blowing of the shofar in the middle of the musaf repetition. So that's already, remember we said, why do we do that? Do you remember the amazing answer of? To confuse the satan. He hears the shofar once and he gets a bit scared that the Jews are doing their mitzvahs. And then they blow, they do even more than necessary. They blow them a second time. Well, now he's like, well, look how far the Jews go. There's no hope for me to prosecute them. That's the tokeh al-ashir. Then, um, sorry, not a tokeh al So that would be why we blow twice, but before the Musaf and during Musaf. And then there's, what did I say? Yeah, so that's the one aspect of the Durabonin. And then there's an added factor that we'll see come up. I don't know if we'll get, not, it will touch on it in the Mishnah, but it will be more apparent in the next two daf, is there's a confusion. What's a truah? What's the sound of a truah? Is it the truah what we call, uh, is it a shv, what we call a shvorim? Doot, 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 like slightly longer blast, but short ones, not a takia. A takia is the long, smooth blast. The doot, you know, that would be the takia, and the true is the doot, doot. Uh, sorry, that's the shvarim. And then there's the true, what we call a true. So, which one is the true? Is it the doot, 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 or the doot, So, based on that, um, there's a, that's why we always blow it in sets of all three of them. The Tekiah, Shvorim, Trua, Tekiah, maybe. Oh, and there's a third possibility. So there's a possibility that when we say you've got to blow a Tekiah, Trua, Tekiah, it means Tekiah, Shvorim, Tekiah. It could mean Tekiah, Trua, Tekiah. And it could mean Tekiah, Shvorim, Trua, Tekiah. Maybe that's what the Trua is. So therefore we blow all those permutations. That's where it's, we get so many blasts. And then um, Tosas discuss it at length here. Um, and it comes up a bit later. So let's see the Mishnah. It says, say that shalosh al shalosh shalosh, you blow three blasts three times. I at Shofras, Malchios, and Zichrodos, you blow three blasts, Tekia, Trua, Tekia. Shur Tekia, a Tekia is Kesholosh Truas, as long as three Truas. And Shur Trua, Kesholosh Yavavos, and the length of a Trua is three Yavavos. I, what they calling a Trua, we would call a Shvarim. The shorter, the medium length blast. Let's just to keep it simple. There's the takia, the long blast, the truer, the medium blast, which is dude, and then there's the short blast, which is dude. So takia, so so the takia is equal to three truers, and a truer is equal to three avavos. Um. Taka berishayno mashach b'shnir keshtayim ein biyada ela achas. If you blowing your shofar blasts together. And you lengthen. So what you're going to do? Tekia, trua, tekia. Remember, you, we said you have to do it three times. So tekia, trua, tekia, tekia, trua, tekia, tekia, trua, tekia. So what happens if you do tekia, trua, and then you do a long tekia to count as your third blast of that set and the beginning of the next set? So you do a double long tekia. Says ein biyoda ela achas. It only counts as one tekia. You have to blow separate blasts. It's not only about the length. Someone who davened, they said all three brachas, Shof, Malchia, Shofras, and Zichrodas, they davened their Musaf Amida, and only then they happen to get a Shofar, then they they do a Tekia, Trua, Tekia, three times. Um, interesting, um, on this, 
What's the Chiddush? Obviously, you should still fulfill the mitzvah of Shofar. So I think the simplest answer is that. Um, never mind, it's what the Chiddush is, that you don't have to go back and do the whole Amida again with Malchus, with uh, the Shofar Blast, Zichronos with the Shofar Blast, and Shofar's with it. You don't have to do it again. You can just blow the Shofar standalone. This is Keshem Shishliach Tzibur Chayev Kachol Yochid V'yochid Chayev just as a shliach tzibur is obligated to daven, this is in general, so to each individual is obligated to daven. Ramon Gamil says, no, you don't have to, and a person, an individual doesn't have to daven the Amida, he can just listen to the shliach tzibur and fulfill his obligation. Okay, we'll discuss that more, but that's the generic term of davening. Do you, once you're going to listen to the repetition of that, what we call the repetition of that Amida anyway, do you have to daven it yourself? Okay, Vitan, let's go into the Gemara. Vitanya, Shur Tekir Ketrua. We said that we have a Bryce which says the Shur of a Tekir is a Trua. But wait, our Mishnah said that the Shur Tekir is Sholosh Truas. So, Amar Bayatana Didon Kachoshev Tekir de Kulobave and Trua de Kulobave. The ton of the Mishnah now is counting all three tekiyos and all three truas. I remember again, you're blowing three sets, tekiyah, trua, tekiyah. So the first tekiyah is equal to the first trua, the second tekiyah is equal to the second trua, and the third tekiyah is equal to the third trua. A tekiyah, the three tekiyahs are equal to the three truas. That's what he's saying. And Tanabrok, Chad Bava, the two law. And the second one is just saying no. When you look at it as a tekiyah, trua, tekiyah, one, one set. You say the tekiah is equal to a trua. Again, a trua doesn't. So a trua doesn't mean the one sh- medium blast, the one very short blast. What is it? One very short blast. What does the trua mean? It means the set of those blasts. I, if you think about it, if you're going to blow tekiah, doot, and then doot, that's not a trua. It would have to be doot, 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 would be a, tru- a trua. Interesting enough, it's a it's a machlokes. We're showing him exactly the sound of the trua. Is it none of those short blasts? Is it three? Um, Tosses go into it, but one of the very important halachas that are that come out from this, and Tosses emphasizes quite a lot, that the tekiah has to be at least as long as the trua. Okay, and whether it's and therefore Tosses say you've got to be careful. The teki, when you're blowing tekiah shvorim trua tekiah, the tekiah has to be longer than the tekiah for the tekiah trua tekiah. Or the tekiah shvorin tekiah, because again, the tekiah, the length of the tekiah, let's say, I mean, people sometimes say nine seconds. So the tekiah has to be nine seconds. It means that the, if the, if the, well, let's rephrase it. If the trua takes three seconds, then the tekiah would have to be three seconds. If it takes nine seconds, then the tekiah would have to be nine seconds. And that makes sense why the tekiah connected to the tekiah, trua tekiah, can be shorter than the tekiah that's connected to the shvarim trua. That's going to be a bit longer. So therefore you'd have to have a bit of a longer tekiah. Okay, shir trua gimul yavamos. Then it says that the length of the tekiah is three yavamos. It says, avahotanya shir trua kashala shvarim. doesn't say that the trua is the length of three shvarim. So, wait, is it as long as three truas or three shvarim? So, Amar Abaya, says, okay, we can't resolve that part of the, Mish- the Mishnah with that part of the Brisa. You have to say the arguing. And this is, it's based on the following. It's written, Yom Trua Yelochem, a day of blowing it will be for you. 
it will be a day of Yavava. What's Yavava? So he says, Uksiv Ba'imah de Sisra. By the mother of Sisra, her son went out to war and she realized that he had been killed, that he wasn't coming back. It says, Ba'ada Chalon Nishkofo Vatisya Vev. That's that language of Yavava. Im Sisra, she cried over Sisra. So this is a mother crying over her son. That's what a Yavava is. That's what a true is. Says Mar Sovar Ganuche Gonach. The one opinion holds it's moaning. Mar Sovar Yulule Yolin, and one holds it is sobbing. Rashi explains what's the moaning. This is like someone who's moaning from his heart, like a sick person who lengthens his moan. So a sick person, you hear them ah ah. That's the sick person. That's the truer. Whereas the other opinion is no. Yulule Yolil. Rashi says, last Rashi of the page says, Yulula Yolil Kaodom Haboyche Umakoine, like a person who's crying and wailing. Koilus Ksorim, short sounds. Smuch in Zelazeh, very close to each other. So this would be more the sobbing. <gasps> like someone who's sobbing, um, that's the truer. So that's a machlokes. When the to- we know that a truer is supposed to be this groaning, moaning, crying sound. But is it more longer moans? kind of like a sick person, or is it very short, quick succession, sobs. And that's, um, we'll leave it there for today.